As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Metrospective Podcast from The Athletic. I'm Ted Berg and joining me on the line, as always, is The Athletic's Mets beat writer, Tim Britton. Tim, how's it going? Pretty good, Ted. I, I got to have like a Valentine's Day with my wife, which was the first Valentine's Day we'd spent together since like our fifth date uh, several years ago, because usually I'm in Port St. Lucie by now. Uh, and this year, uh, I, no one is down there yet, uh, at least reporting wise. And, and I don't know if or when I'll be going down at all. So uh, it, it, frankly, I prefer being home for Valentine's Day than eating at a Tijuana Flats down the road from Clover Park. But that's just me. I said. Su- I suppose from sort of the romantic angle, yes, but I happen to think Valentine's Day, like, largely overrated as a, you know, I don't know, I I enjoy spending time with my wife and generally do so on Valentine's Day, but, like, they, you know, they, all the restaurants have, like, the $100 price fix thing, I don't want any part of that, um, so, you know, there's, a, it's, it's a double-edged sword, is all I'm saying. Yeah, like, we actually tried to go someplace, and we sat down outside, uh, and then we realized it was just a price-fix menu, and we couldn't get the two things we really like at that restaurant off of, like, that weren't on the price-fix, so we decided to go home. <laughs> so, traditionally, my, my wife and I, uh, before we were married, really, we always celebrated Valentine's Day either on February 13th or February 15th, just so we could not have to deal with the, the Valentine's scene at, at restaurants. We're... Uh, we're very romantic people. <laughs> yeah. uh, but let's talk about the Mets. And you mentioned Port St. Lucie, and I, I was going to introduce introduce this as a as a very special episode, except that I think all the episodes are, are very special since we've only done three so far. Uh, Wednesday, I believe, is the day that pitchers and catchers are set to report to Port St. Lucie what's going on. Yeah, so Wednesday is when we we start spring training. Really, it's that that's the report date. There, there are guys down there already. Brandon Nimmo, the first Met to go down uh, or to report to uh, to Clover Park. Uh, Jeff McNeil's there. Big smile on his <laughs> big smile on his face. Came sprinting in from the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even drive. He just sprinted from from his house in Florida. Uh, you know, James McCann. We we did a Zoom news conference with. 
on Tuesday morning. Uh, so that's kind of like that's when you really once you get on that first spring training zoom, everyone knows that's that's when you start feeling the itch. Um, so, you know, you've got the pitchers and catchers reporting uh, on Wednesday, then the position players report uh, on the 22nd, which I believe is next Monday. Your first full workout is the day after that. Uh, so you get into the swing of things in this next week. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how different it is for guys. I think spring training mm-hmm. is going, you know, the, the major league camp is going to be bigger but there's going to be no minor league camp going on at the same time. So, like, usually you're there and there's 200 people there, 200 different players, maybe And more. guys coming back and forth and guys showing up in a game with, that you've never seen before and everybody's scrambling to figure out who's, you know, number 72 playing <laughs> left field in the eighth inning of a, of a blowout Grapefruit League game. Right. This is, this is going to be the easiest spring training on spring training scorekeepers that we've ever had because uh, you just got your the Mets of 70 currently on their their major league spring training roster you can go up to 75 those guys will be there for the next six weeks before the regular season starts and then you have minor league camp after that so that will be different you know the guys still have to socially distance and not be uh, yeah I was, I was gonna say like and and this is total sausage factory stuff that no one cares about but there's no way you could fit 75 people in the in the Port St. Lucie unless they've massively overhauled it in that clubhouse, right? They're going to have to use, I guess, both clubhouses. I would assume. Yeah. So, they, I mean, they, they they did massively overhaul it last year before last season, yeah. and it is much bigger and nicer. It's still not one that's going to hold seventy five people all standing six feet apart from every other person. Uh, so, I assume they'll use that for kind of the major league roster, you know, the forty man roster or something, and then stick the other thirty five somewhere else. Uh, there is a minor league clubhouse that's there, but that's kind of you know a small minor league clubhouse for the St. Lucie team. Uh, they've, then they've got the whole complex with the, the minor leaguers. That's a little bit more of a walk uh, where they stay in spring training. So that, that'll probably be uh, where they split it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They have the big the big minor league clubhouse as well. And walking around in spring training, it's not so bad. I was, I was, I was going to say at the start until we got, we got talking about Valentine's Day. But I always found uh, – and this is – so this will be the second year, I guess, in the last 12 – uh, and the second year in a row where I'm not going to spring training, um, owing to not having any in, in this case. Well, actually, in this case, I guess a lot of people aren't going to spring training because we're not really traveling right now. But um, I always I, I just always love the spring training. Like that's the one thing I think I will I will regret forever about about leaving my job is not being able to bail on New York City in mid to late February and leave for a few weeks because I'm lucky in that I was always able to go even at SNY I would go down for three to four weeks and and at USA Today I would go uh, usually like two weeks in Florida and two weeks in Arizona um, and that's enough time I think if you're down there for the full spring training um, you can speak to it it probably gets a little old but man like those first few days of spring training and I have to believe it's for it's not just you know reporters I think it's for the the uh, the fans who are there, certainly, but even the players. It's just, like, so nice to get out of the winter, wherever you're coming from, and see the baseball again. Like, there's people are throwing the baseball. There's a there's a diamond. The grass is green. Music is playing. It's just, like, this is... It's the best time of the year to be in Port St. Lucie, Florida, for sure. Yeah, there, there's, like, a, a spring training ASMR sound effect to being at the ballpark where you just get the pop of, of people playing catch and... Uh, pitchers throwing hard uh, and cleats on and like, on 
on turf. Girls just want to have fun playing on the like they're just like the same playlist they've had on the stadium PA since right. since 1991 or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say, and I always I've said this on like so many different podcasts in my life. If you were a baseball fan and you have the means and the opportunity go to spring training if you've never done it like just it's it's such a cool experience i think uh especially from a vantage perspective just because you get to be so and not this year not this year but in a future normal year when you can go on a plane without having to wear a mask and without worrying you know and, and without when you're able to get because because uh i guess what's so appealing of spring about spring training is the lack of social distance right you can be standing like five feet from where noah Syndergaard is throwing a bullpen or 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 whatever else and um it's just i I don't know if if you want to appreciate how good baseball players are at playing baseball there's no better place to do it than spring training because seeing it up close and seeing the 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 hearing the bat and the bat speed that these guys have and, and seeing how fast the pitches are coming in and seeing if you can get this angle, uh, like, and, and I'll never forget it, like being right behind the plate, watching R.A. Dickey's knuckleball come in and, and the mind mess that that created. Um, it just, it's, I, I don't know. There's, there's really nothing like spring training. Right. Like what, yeah, being behind the catcher and seeing like what a major league slider looked at, looked like at my first spring training was just mind. I was like, how does anyone Insane. get a hit ever? It's impossible. I do. I like, it's part of me is like, this has to be scripted in some way. Like I, I still think baseball might be fake. Uh, uh, let's talk about the Mets. Is this team, are these 70 dudes heading to Port St. Lucie? the 70 guys oh they're not gonna use 70 guys this season but are or is everybody they're using on opening day from this collection of 70 guys uh, i'm still not sold on that you know obviously they've made moves just in the last couple of days actually i think kevin pilar makes it 71 uh that that signing oh, they right. made on, on monday night but have not officially announced at the time that we're recording this um so, you know, I, I think, uh, and, and maybe we'll get into this later, like the rotation seems to be the one spot that really, actually, the rotation and the bullpen are both kind of uh, calling out for not not huge upgrades, but like someone else. Uh, you know, right now, if you're starting the season tomorrow, your, your back half of the rotation is David Peterson and Joey Lucchese. Uh, and I think they probably won an either or there uh, between those two guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've, we've seen... A lot of guys snapped up since we last recorded uh, Trevor Bauer uh, being chief among them, uh, which I think a lot of Mets fans are, are okay with for the most part. Uh, and then you've got you know guys like Rich Hill and James Paxton have signed in the last couple of last week or so, uh, but there's still Jake Odorizzi, there's still Taiwan Walker uh, out there as potential options. And then in the bullpen, yeah, I think that oh, go I ahead. mean just to to go just to go back to the Bauer thing and, and, because it's a very weird little phenomenon that seems to be going on. It feels like um, because the Mets uh, reportedly widely as widely reported made an offer a substantial offer to Bauer perhaps even larger than the Dodgers offer um, it feels like because they, they've missed out on that and had that willingness to spend that now in the absence of like several more moves People are, are almost looking at this like a disappointing offseason. I think because the, the Lindor move, adding Lindor and Carrasco, bringing Stroman back all happened so early. And so much of the momentum in this offseason has been so late that you get this like sort of, and I think it's a little warped, but 
that this this notion that the Mets really haven't done enough, and and I don't personally see it. I think like you just have to look at the whole picture. Remember, Marcus Stroman was a top ten free agent this offseason, maybe a top five free agent this offseason that they were able to bring back on the qualifying offer, um, and then adding you know one of the best players in Major League Baseball in Francisco Lindor and a really good pitcher in Carlos Carrasco. That's a good offseason, um, not to mention Trevor May and making the bullpen ba- better. But because the, the the pace of it has slowed so much and because now we're seeing Albert Elmore Jr. and Kevin Pillar, guys who might have value to this team for sure, but guys who are not like that big sexy name and and really all the closest thing there is left to that out there is Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't look like the Mets are going to be pursuing him now that they've given major league deals to to Almora and and Pilar um but it feels like people are disappointed a little bit yeah it's I think the the Bauer thing kind of played out as almost a worst case scenario for the Mets because if they had just like not pursued him uh fans wouldn't have felt the disappointment of not getting him uh, and you wouldn't have angered this, the part, of the I think significant part of the fan base that did not want him in the first place. Uh, so you, mm-hmm. you've angered that group, and we've talked about the reasons why. <laughs> Justifiably, a lot of people did not want Trevor Bauer on their team. Um, and then you went after him, and you still didn't get him. Uh, and now you've got a lot of, of fans who think, well, you were willing to spend thirty-five million dollars on him in twenty twenty-one, and a lot more after that. Why aren't you? immediately reinvesting that money into the, the 2021 roster right now. And, uh, you know, first of all, that's because they were willing to do that for Trevor Bauer. It's not like they turn around and give Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, a big deal because they missed out on Bauer. Those are kind of discreet uh, decisions by a front office. Uh, and then I think you go back to, like, your point about, about Stroman and you bring in Carlos Carrasco. I think if you said at the start of the offseason, if you presented Mets fans with the choice, you could have either one Trevor Bauer or... Stroman and Carrasco, I think given the needs of this pitching staff, that they needed quantity in addition to quality, that I think they probably made the right choice in getting those two guys. Uh, and it's only really the pursuit of the other guy that, that's made it feel more disappointing. And in Lindor, like I've said it before, that's the best acquisition they could have made this offseason, is trading for Francisco Lindor. Extending him would complete that transaction uh, and make him... Uh, a long-term, uh, long-term guy for the Mets, and I, I think I, I'd be surprised if Francisco Lindor hits free agency at the end of the 2021 season. Um, but like, I think Mets fans were waiting for the big 200 million dollar contract to to Bauer or to uh, or 150 million dollar contract to Real Muto or Springer, uh, and instead they got just a trade for a guy who's better than all of those guys. Uh, and is younger than all of those guys and will be better going forward than all of those guys. But it just didn't feel as seismic uh, as it might and have trade otherwise. For nothing. A trade for uh, not nothing. I don't want to say nothing, but very little. Like a, a massively below market deal. Uh, or at least what it seemed like. I guess it's not. Uh, evidently, this is the new market for trades. But uh, uh, to get Francisco Lindor without like pillaging your farm system seems incredible. Yeah, I mean, they did not give up one of their top five prospects, I think. You go down, Josh Wolf was the best prospect in that deal. He was probably like eighth in the Mets system, and, and Isaiah Green was probably ninth or tenth. Uh, and like, this is not a, it's not like, you know, oh, these are guys who would be top five prospects in any other system. No, the Mets system is kind of middle of the road. Keith Law at the Athletic ranked at 19th. Uh, they've got some high end talent, and we'll see some of that in spring training with some of those younger guys, Francisco Alvarez, Ronnie Mauricio, and, and that ilk. Uh, but, you know, they didn't have to give up any of those type guys or anyone really 
significant off the major league roster. I, I understand Jimenez and Rosario are, are guys who played pretty big roles for the for the Mets over the last couple of years, but you weren't and giving guys up, with with bright enough futures. You know, yeah, yeah. But you weren't giving up Brandon Nimmo, for instance, which is what I thought right. would someone I thought might be have to be a part of a Lindor trade at the start of the offseason. So, you know, I, I really think that that single trade where you get not just Lindor but Carrasco on top of that, a guy who I think gets overlooked when you list out the best 20 pitchers in baseball on a routine basis over the last several years. Uh, that 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 deal that that's as good a move as any team has made. You know, maybe with the exception of St. Louis getting Nolan Arenado uh, and 50 million dollars for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, can the Mets are they going to go trade for Chris Bryant? Can they just trade for Chris Bryant? <laughs> you know, we hear a lot about like Bryant, the Bryant and what Hendricks package. Saying. And the Suarez and Gray package. And I think at this point in the calendar, it's a lot harder to see that. I want Brian. I want no part of Suarez and Gray. (laughs) Give me Brian and Hendricks. I'm here for like the big ticket items, right? You're here for Chris Bryant's blue eyes. Um, Right. You know, I I think. They're mesmerizing. They're mesmerizing (laughs) if you ever talk to them. It's like very difficult to concentrate. They are just so. It's like a shade of of eye color I have never seen before. Uh, I have not talked to him. I have, you know, now I'll have to seek that out in the future. Um, I, I don't think like a, a Bryant Hendricks package can come together. That's that's too much. That's the Cubs who are like still in technically contention for an NL Central that's up for grabs. Uh, I think that's too much for them right. to give away. And it, it does seem like they've figured out they like they're not going to salary dump Chris Bryant in the way that people thought they might at the start of the offseason. You know, this isn't because like, it would have been. St- because it would have been stupid and because it's like just a horrifying thing to do to your fan base that this guy is like the homegrown hero who wins you your first world series in over a hundred years and then you're like ah we don't want to pay him 19 million dollars or whatever it is yeah so like i I think the idea of getting bryant for a very little uh like it's it's one of those if you're the mets you don't want to trade too much for him because it's one year you don't know exactly where he is uh as a as an offensive producer for you given the way his last couple of years have gone he's certainly not mvp form the way he was in, in 2016 right um but also if you're the cubs like there is you can't just give him away like i feel like the mets don't want to trade jd davis for chris bryant and the cubs don't want to just take jd davis for chris bryant uh so i i think that's the hang up there uh, and i think you'd probably get into uh, they probably hold him until the trade deadline at this point and see what happens. I've been wrong on these things in the past. I, di- I didn't think the Mets were going to go after Bauer, uh, certainly after the, the moves they made. Uh, and I didn't expect Lindor to come as easily. So, you know, take, uh, take all of my stuff with a grain of salt. But I, I don't expect Chris Bryant to show up in Port St. Lucie uh, in 2021. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm glad you brought up Davis because, you know, as we look at spring training and I think we look at some, it seems like there are, there are a bunch of pieces that are certain. Right, we know where Michael Conforto is going to be. We know where Francisco Lindor is going to be. Uh, we know Pete Alonso is going to play most of the time at first base, and and they're going to try to work Dom Smith in and in, in left field, and probably you know spelling Alonso at first. And we know you know the front end of the rotation, but JD Davis it seems like he's he is right now the guy at third base. Do you think that he he has that that's in ink, or do you think that there is some fluidity here? I think it's probably uh, it's at least in darker pencil than it was the last time mm-hmm. we talked because uh, I, I you know there were still a fair number of infielders who if not might not be handed the job in front of Davis but would at least contend with him uh, in spring training for maybe an opening day start um, you know I thought of like a guy like Jonathan Scope uh, who signed back with Detroit mm-hmm. uh, like he could play second you could move McNeil over. Uh, I thought that was a move that might make sense. The Mets instead went with Jonathan VR, who I think, you know, certainly is not an everyday third baseman. He hasn't played that position in I think four years. Um, but you could always you could always put McNeil at third, right? right you and, could, and have VR at second. You could do that same thing, but VR is not kind of the defensive player that uh, that mm-hmm. even Scope was. Um, so right. I, I think Davis is probably has the inside track there. But a guy like VR gives you some cover, you know, if. If it's really not working out with Davis, or if there is an injury on the infield, here's another guy to throw into the mix. You feel comfortable with starting. He's been a starting level player for most of his career. He's a big leaguer, right? Yeah. Like he's a no doubt big leaguer. This guy is a major league player. You can, you know, you're not gonna. He's not gonna kill you if you if you have to start. Like I look at the the dynamic they have in the infield with VR and Luis Guillorme, and the dynamic they now have in the outfield with Pilar and Albert Almora Jr. As so, Guillaume and Elmore are the guys that you think they, there might be something more there than backup down the line, mm-hmm. but the floor for them in 2021 is lower. Like, they might also be guys who don't hit for you on a regular enough basis to fill in for a month for an injury. Whereas Pilar and VR, and man, you want really want those names to rhyme, uh, <laughs> because yeah. of the way they're spelled. Uh, and I'm going to make that mistake constantly this year PR and Villar. Um, that they're 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 big leaguers. They've been used to it. They might not be, uh, you know, you kind of know what the ceiling is, but you also know where the floor is for the most part, and you don't expect it to fall out completely from under them. And that gives you a little bit more cover in a year where it's probably going to have a couple more injuries than usual. Well, yeah, and, and you know, there's always injuries. And I think one of the big criticisms of the Mets uh, for a long time, you know, and, and, and it had to do with, um, you know, I think that it was, a lot of different people were blamed for this issue, but it, it it has so frequently felt like the Mets had this like very good competitive top layer team. And then as soon as you pulled one piece away, like the whole house collapsed because the guy backing up your major league center fielder like wasn't even a double A caliber outfielder. You know, it, it just it has felt so at so many different times like the that 40 man roster depth. Um, was holding them back as much as, if not more so, than than the top end talent because the top end talent has has been there a, a lot of the time. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that what you say is is big leaguers, right? Pilar, VR, Albert Almora Jr. 
they've all got some warts. They've all had some some success. They're all guys who are going to play in the major leagues in 2020. And and you know, at times in the past, the Mets have had uh, a lot of guys uh, on the roster who it's like I, I don't know if this guy would be in the, in the major leagues otherwise. Do you think it's unfair that everyone listening to this podcast has thought of the name Eric Campbell in the last 30 seconds? So, um, yes, I mean, I do. I, 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 you know, hey, I always liked Eric Campbell. I, I well, in the minors, uh, I was, I was actually thinking, I was just thinking of like, and this is dating myself, but I think it was like 2010. Uh, the Mets, if you look up in one of these years that the Mets had an opening day lineup and I, and I, and again, it was a guy who was a major leaguer, at least at earlier in his career, but at this point, not really. I remember Gary Matthews Jr. was in yeah. there and just like the entire lineup was just like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, and so that was what I was thinking. I was thinking about that, like late, the late Mania era, uh, the Bernie Madoff thing has already started to like rear its head on how the Mets are constructed, uh, that sort of time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, but yeah, Eric Campbell, fine. That's a great example, <laughs> right? I mean, no, no offense to him. I'm, I hope he's playing. I think he was, was he in Taiwan last year, Korea or something? Um, he's been, he's been around. I, I've seen like, it's, it's popped up in my occasional perusal of, of foreign league stats. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I go back to the, the 2009 team where everyone got hurt, uh, and you had lineups with like Corey Sullivan and Jeremy oh, Reed hitting God. third and fifth and our, our heinous Reyes was hitting second. And, uh, um, so that year, that year I went to, we went to Buffalo in the middle of that summer and when everybody was hurt. Uh, we didn't even really think about it. We were just, we were at SMY. We were like, oh, we got to make these minor league trips. We're going to go down and talk to the prospects. We got to Buffalo and it was, we looked at the roster. It was like, I don't know who we're even going to talk to. <laughs> like, we don't know who any of these people are. Uh, our like big get because he played in the major leagues later that year was Jesus Feliciano. Um, it was just, and, and the game in Buffalo. And if you'll recall after that season, Jeff Wilpon had to personally go to Buffalo to apologize for how bad the team was. And that game in Buffalo, it was like freezing cold. It was like the middle of the summer, but it was freezing cold. And there was just, there were definitely more seagulls than people in, in the crowd. Um, and it was just like one of the saddest baseball experiences of my life. And that's why they signed R.A. Dickey to be in Buffalo the next year. <laughs> yeah. And then he was one signing award. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I meant to look up Eric Campbell real quick. But uh, tell me, Elizabeth, while, while I'm looking that up, tell me about, like, so Pilar is not, is not displacing Nimmo as their starting center fielder then. No, I, I mean, I think you look at, I think our view of of. Kevin Pillar is as uh, this great defensive center fielder that he was in Toronto for many years, but he has not been that in the last three years or so. He's been a negative uh, in terms of defensive runs saved in center field over that time. I believe he's been, he was negative at least last year in, in stat cast outs above average. Uh, and I believe he was a few years before that as well. So he's really, he still brings defensive value. It's just more in a corner than in center. Uh, so I, I think Almora is still the best defensive center fielder on the roster. And if you're doing a strict defensive replacement, he's probably the guy. But he's also got a minor league option. You can get away with Pilar as your backup center fielder. if you like. He can fill in more capably there mm-hmm. than Nimmo um, defensively. Uh, and then he, he brings a little bit more with the bat, obviously, than Almora, especially against left-handed pitching. So I, I, I would expect him to get some starts in center against lefties 
uh, early in the season. That would be kind of his starting role, and then you see where it goes from there. What are you most excited to see this spring training? I mean, it's probably Lindor, right? Like that's, yeah. you know, it's 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 always exciting. I mean, like shout out, shout out to Taco in a helmet, but probably it's Francisco Lindor. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's nice to to watch new pitchers that you haven't seen before. It, it'd be interesting to see what what Marcus Stroman is working on now because uh, he's always mm-hmm. doing something different. Uh, and you know, I haven't seen a lot of Carlos. Carlos Cross was like the best pitcher that I've probably never seen a full start from. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to, to watch. Um, and I, I want to see Joey Lucchese's curve, the changeup slash curveball that he throws. Uh, but it's still like, what does having one of the best, if not the best, shortstop in baseball do to a team and a guy whose personality is, from everything I've heard, uh, extremely engaging, enthusiastic, uh, uplifting to a team. What does that do? And that's, you know, that would be, if I were down in spring training over the next couple of days, that would be what I'm looking out for. Um, but I'll just have to try to, to glean it from, like, SNYB role. Genuine. I said Lindor seems like a super genuine dude. Like, he, I, I, I know, I'm sure you've done it too, but, like, I've been to so too many to count uh, baseball player charity events. And, you know, sometimes you get, like, the, there's a scale from, like, guy who is playing on his cell phone the whole time and like not really paying attention to the kids and then the other end of the spectrum is like david wright who is like whisking the kids away to play with and like bringing them you know like like doing like all these nice things yeah um and lindor is definitely at least in the one experience i had he seemed like way 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 more on the david wright side of things like even to the extent that it was like i was there was not a lot of media there the people who had set it up had had said like we're gonna get you Francisco Lindor and he so clearly wanted to be like playing with the kids and not talking with me that it was like I can't keep taking up this guy's time like just go 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 you don't need to talk to me about this go play with the sick kids you know so uh, so he seems like a good guy yeah like our our Zach Meisel did a story a couple years ago when Cleveland went to Puerto Rico and played the Twins uh, about like Lindor visiting his old school uh, and like you know he remembered all of the teachers you know like he knew them by name he knew he shouted their mm-hmm. names across the field uh, and how much all the kids there looked up to him and how much he appreciated that experience uh, and loved giving back I, I think him and, and Carrasco obviously has done a lot of work uh, in, in the community in Cleveland and, and plans to do so in New York I think those, those two guys seem like not just good on-field additions but you know, from afar, seem like they bring something to the off-field culture of the the organization as well. Yeah, I think, and and uh, the culture that they were trying to create with Jared Porter unsuccessfully. Uh, but we don't need to revisit that discussion. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, Tim, we have a question from Twitter. Um, it's actually from a Twitter direct message from Aaron, I hope I'm saying this right, Aaron Brazel or Breezel. Uh, and Aaron wants to know, and, and we've teased this a, a couple of times, talked about it a little bit. He says, could you and Tim possibly break down what the back end of the rotation may look like on opening day with the Lucchese trade? This is, uh, he sent this, 
uh, kind of a while ago. He said things actually look kind of crowded. Um, is it going to be a spring training tryout situation? Is a guy like Mick Williams going to make a case? Um, Seth Lugo now injured, but will he ultimately get a shot, which I know uh, you addressed in your spring training preview on theathletic.com. Um, what's, is this, is it, because I think right now on paper, it looks like pretty clearly you're dealing with the Grom, Carrasco, Stroman as your top three, and then Peterson and Lucchese. But there's guys still out there. Is there is and and we know they made a move for Bauer, right? So we know they're not they're not thrilled with. I mean, like, you don't want to say not thrilled. They they know that the back end of the rotation is not as good as Trevor Bauer. Which again, it's like sort of a, a it's painting with with broad strokes there. Um, is there a chance they make an upgrade before spring training? Oh, probably not before spring training. Certainly before March. Um, or is there a chance that it's not Lucchese and Peterson? Is there anybody else who might make uh, make, make a play for that back end of the rotation? Yeah, like, I, I think the likeliest thing is that someone else is brought in as your number four starter. Like a, a, a person who, the minute he's signed, the Mets expect him to be starting the fourth game of the season. Um, you know, we, we've seen them... Uh, the, the last time Sandy Alderson was the general manager in 2018, uh, they signed Jason Vargas, uh, I think a week into spring training. So it's, it's not like he hasn't done that in the past. Um, and they're, like we mentioned earlier, Odorizzi and Walker are guys that are still out there uh, as guys who would make sense. Um, in terms of what they have, I think Peterson and Lucchese would have the leg up, but you know they brought in, um, they, they made the move for Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, they've oh, got right, Mike I forgot Mon- about Yamamoto, yeah. They've got Mike Montgomery, who they signed to a minor league deal and has some some starting experience in the past as well. Also a guy who got the last out of the World Series, uh, <laughs> which is uh, interesting. Um, I, th- I think, you know, Lugo, it would have been interesting to see how they used him in spring training. We probably should have talked about that within the first 20 minutes of the show, uh, that Lugo is going to be out until mid-May and how that kind of requires maybe more of a bullpen move as well moving forward. Um, and they're... There's slimmer pickings in the the bullpen market, but you never know what guys are going to produce there. Um, and you know, like the the and how Peter. the bullpen is shaped, obviously, will will impact the rotation to some extent, right? Like there's always there's always some of these guys who who like this guy McWilliams who who might be a factor. It seems like they they like him as a reliever, but uh, maybe he's on the radar to start as well. I don't know. Yeah, like I was, I was going to say, he mentioned he mentioned McWilliams. I think I think they signed him with the idea that he would be uh, a bullpen factor before one in the rotation. But I don't know if they've they've thought differently about that because of how things are set up. Probably not, but it's a possibility. Uh, so the, you know they've got some depth. Franklin Killame is another guy uh, who who's done some starting for them in the past. Uh, so they, they've got depth there. But I think you know the the plan is basically for all of those guys who have options: Peterson, Lucchese, Yamamoto, Killame, all of that group, uh, to be your depth rather than to form forty percent of your rotation. Uh, so I I think it still it still screams too much in, in need of an upgrade that that they'll probably do that because they still have. A fair amount of money under the the luxury tax threshold to do something if they chose. Who's your guy? Who do you want? I mean, I think Odorizzi is. Uh, you know, I said at the start of the off season, if you brought back Stroman and had Odorizzi, that that was pretty good. If, if Odorizzi was going to be your number three, that was pretty good. Uh, if he's coming in as your four, I think that that's that's a pretty strong top four. Like he's he's the only one who's still out there who I'd feel comfortable starting a playoff game. Um, I think beyond that, uh, and, even, and even you and, don't necessarily need to think of him as starting a playoff game because you've got Syndergaard coming back eventually. But 
I, I think he's probably a little bit above Walker. And then Walker's in that group where, you know, there's there's more of an upside, but there's more of an injury risk with him. Um, if you just want innings, Rick Porcello is still there. And I think Fangraphs projects him as, as good as anyone. But the the war on Porcello last year, I, didn't, I don't think, told the whole story. Uh, so, uh, And and I would, so I would just to, to mention, because Oda Rizzi had a, had a real rough four-start sample in 2020 and and i hate to like have be guilty of recency bias but but walker was real real good last year and it was again it's like 10 starts or 11 starts or something and i don't know to me i just i and i and again there's a there's a personal and talk about genuine there's like a very personal hook here with taiwan walker um but walker's my guy um not only because of what you mentioned that upside um and you might not it might not be today i want him starting a playoff game but like do if i'm thinking about it I just in my head it feels like there's an equal chance that I, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Like it feels like Odo Rizzi is a is a guy where I don't I don't hate having him start a game four of a series. Whereas it feels like there's like some chance that Walker is a guy I have starting game two of this series, but also a chance that he's not there or that he's a guy you don't want starting game four. You know, like you said, there's a, it's like sort of a much bigger error bar um, and, and obviously a much greater injury risk, even even if Odo Rizzi had a, had a rough shake last year. Um, but Taiwan Walker, um, and, and this sort of wraps a lot of things up, I'm talking about being genuine and, and spring training being silly and fun. Uh, I was at Diamondbacks camp a couple years ago, and it was like a very, very mildly promoted event. Taiwan Walker has this tremendous taco recipe. He wowed his teammates with his tacos. He had some of his teammates over for dinner. Uh, they all they kept harassing him, telling him, invite us back over, make us more tacos. He said this was his own idea. It was completely unbranded. It wasn't. They weren't trying to make money off anybody. He got a food truck. He rented out a food truck. He prepared his personally his personal taco recipe, and he stood in the parking lot in full uniform, distributing tacos to passersby. And the fans had no idea that Taiwan Walker was going to be there in his full Diamondbacks uniform, just giving them tacos. He was calling them over. Like, hey, come here, free tacos. We got free tacos over here. They're absolutely free, no catch. And people are like, wait a minute, are you are you a guy on the team that I'm I'm a fan of? It's like, yeah, it's me, Taiwan Walker. I was I was really good last year. This is a few years ago. This is before he got hurt. It was right before his Tommy John. Um, and it was like, uh, you know, and like I say it in sort of like a kidding way. Like, I I was actually moved by the experience just because it was something so um, completely innocent. Like it was so it's so rare in baseball to see something that is entirely unsponsored like that and that has no like no clear money-making hook to it it was just like this is a guy who makes good tacos and has decided out of the generosity in his heart that he is just gonna make these tacos for whoever walks by i was one of those people walking by i ate that taco and it was really good i want this guy in the mets <laughs> Well, that is a very persuasive argument, <laughs> right? Uh, you I might, do not know. Because if, if you wind up at spring training, and you, I think you're, you're, the balls are still in the air here, you might just show up one day to whatever it's called now, park, Clover Clover Park? Cl- Clover? Clover Park, yeah. Um, to Clover Park. It'll always be digital domain to me or whatever. Um, <laughs> and you might just walk by Ty Walker in the parking lot handing people tacos, and you can get a taco. I know no yeah, other so, major league player who has ever done that. 
Jayco de Rizzi has to up his taco right? game very soon the to, get, to get any never made me any tacos. You know, Trevor Bauer never made me any tacos. <laughs> so, uh, Daryl yeah, Stover so, uh, furnished me a sandwich at his restaurant one time, and Taiwan Walker gave me two free tacos. And those are the only Major League Baseball players who have ever given me free food. I have. I don't think I've ever eaten anything that a Major League Baseball player uh, made or handled or handed to me <laughs> at any point. So in most cases, I've, you I've don't got no, I've got want no basis that. of comparison. Yeah, in most cases, you don't want that. Um, but but in this case, the, the taco was delicious. The whole and then the whole Diamondbacks and the, these fans. You should have seen their faces. Like you're you're sitting there. You're a Diamondbacks fan. You had no idea this was happening. You're walking through the parking lot. The pitcher on the team calls you over and hands you a taco, and you're standing there eating the taco. Like sort of everybody's like sort of in disbelief, and then. A, a golf cart pulls up and it's like the entire Diamondbacks bullpen hanging off the, the golf cart because they've all heard about Ty Walker's tacos and, and they all want to taste too. Um, and, and I actually, I will say I ate the last taco and right after me, like right after like I was biting, it was taking like my second bite of the taco, Tori Lavulo, who is their manager, rolled up and was like, are there no more tacos? And there weren't because I had it. <laughs> This this reminds me one of the stories that it's I the feel best day of my life. Uh, the most regret the one of the regrets I have that I wasn't able to do last year uh, because of circumstances beyond my control was to hang out with Carlos Beltran as he made his famous tres leches cake because oh. Carlos is apparently a very good is baker. Is that true? Uh, I, and his tres leches cake is his, his go to. I thought that single day president of Taco Bell was it for me, but now I want Carlos Beltran's cake. <laughs> He had a restaurant. I don't know if he still does. He had a restaurant in New York City. Um, Carlos Beltran probably likes food. We should, I, Carlos Beltran, if you're out there, hang, let's hang out. We live. I know he lives close to me. So, you know, just, yeah, call me up. Get in touch. Have your people get in touch with me and come serve me some cake. You know, Ty Walker has set the bar pretty high. And, you know, Carlos, rate and review the Metrospective and how much you Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. People should definitely do that. We got a, we got a positive review in my since since i've i've been a part of this show now so that made me feel a lot better um we've got a a handful of of good ratings but we do like to hear from you um please if you enjoy the show uh give us a give us a review at on itunes or or anywhere else where podcasts can be reviewed or send us an email if you if you want uh send us feedback uh we're both on twitter very easy to find you can email me at at asktedberg at gmail.com if you have questions uh you too can be like our friend aaron brezel and and ask a question of the metrospective podcast Sounds good. We're ready for what eight eight months of baseball, seven and a half or eight and a half months of baseball. I mean, that's, that's what we're getting maybe ready for. who knows? I, well, let's not. Can we can we really pretend to know what is eight months ahead of us <laughs> at this point? Like, let's we're ready for at least one day of spring training on Wednesday, <laughs> and we'll take it from there. That's probably the best way to look at this. But we'll, this year. but we should. Well, I should say we will be back a bit more often in spring training, and then, and then even more often after that. Uh, once the season begins, I'm really looking forward to it uh, because it's just time for baseball. It's time for the winter to be over, and it's, uh, it's. We're gonna get to watch the Mets soon. It's time for spring training, baby. All right, Tim. We'll ha- have a good week, and I will uh, talk to you soon. And and to everyone out there, thank you for listening. And, and peace out. Adios. Adios.